Well, well, welcome, Lighthouse. How are you? This is Pastor Grant here with Patrick Hawks. How are you doing, Pat? Doing pretty well. It's August. It is August. It's all about to happen. Yeah. In groups. <laughs> As we're releasing this in groups are one week away. Well, the kickoff is one week away. Yeah. Yeah. Bounce house, food. Food. Games. Wood chips. All <laughs> any, of the above. Anytime you could <laughs> party on the wood chips. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Everybody within the sound of my voice, invite your neighbor. Come on out and and uh, 6 o'clock Wednesday the... Uh, did I get that right? Is it 6 o'clock? I think so. You would think between the two of us we would know. We'd also know when a Wednesday is. We'll see you tomorrow is Wednesday the 7th. It's 14th. Yeah, 14th. 14th. Yeah, Wednesday the 14th. Sooner or later, we'll get these brains Six in here. <laughs> we, we left all the brains somewhere else. Oh, we're the only ones Tiffany. left here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Tiff's out of town. I'm doing the like like full shuttling kids around. And it sounds like such a great idea at the beginning to be like, hey, Tiff. <laughs> Go have things will be fine. Just go. And she's gone. We had the great military family here for a few years. The Keplingers and PJ and Aaron. Aaron was on the shepherding team. PJ ran the office. Tiffany's super close friend. So Tiffany for her birthday is going out. And you're just like, oh, I'm so fired up. You get to do this. And then it actually comes and you're like, oh my gosh, she is really important at our house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, it's not just look at all the stuff she does. It's like, what do I contribute to this house? Not typically not as much as I should. Yeah. I. Mm -hmm. So I'll be, uh, be extra engaged this week. <laughs> all I have to say the 14th yes. is going to be a good kickoff. And then in groups happening after that. And you know, it really is the big idea of ministry around here is that people grow in the Lord in scripture, in fellowship with each other and, uh, and, and in the word and in prayer. And, yeah. um, you know, just, I think you encompass all that just in kind of the, those are godly friends. Yeah. It's just all about having friends. I know, you know, in my mid to late forties where I am now, like friends are hard fought and hard won, you know, yeah. like it's, it, friendships are not. Here you're all in the same third grade class. Go yes. play, go play dodgeball. Yeah. It doesn't work that way, and life is so busy that finding finding some people that you can lean on is not only tough, but man, is it important. And yeah. um, and so hopefully those in groups provide us that opportunity, just places to make friends. Whether you're in the Iwana program or a full full-on bearded grown-up or <laughs> in, anywhere in the middle. So, um, yeah, we're excited about that. What else are we excited about? We're excited about youth groups starting up. Yep. We're we're also uh, fired up about some men's chorale, women's chorale music kind of stuff. Yes, Talk definitely. to you about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be um, sending out an email for that real soon, um, just seeing who all is interested, who can make it to the rehearsals, but we're going to be working on a range of different pieces. It's going to be fun. I like that. I got some, you know, older style yeah. Christmas carols, but of a slightly different yeah. musical nature than you're used to. And then, yeah, yeah it's going to be a mix. It's going to be fun. I like it. Yeah. That's such a neat piece to a church is just singing together. And, yeah. and, um, that's another great way to make friends. Mm -hmm. I, I love being in a band with people and singing alongside people, and it's a it's a really neat opportunity. Yep. Well, cool. Well, today we are uh, spinning the podcast that features Judy Ricketts. Yes. Judy 
uh, speaking of music, yeah, <laughs> is the only piano player <laughs> that regularly plays around here. <laughs> we are counting on Judy to keep those hymns going. Frequently, you know, I, I'll play piano for the praise songs or whatever, and mm-hmm. I, I just think, man, this piano just must... Just be like, can you please get out of here and let Judy sit back <laughs> down because she's uh, she's so talented. She has feel and touch and she plays so beautifully. But also, you know, her ministry for really the course of her whole life has not just been music. It's been mm-hmm. and around here she leads women Bible women's Bible studies and just has a real heart for for helping other people grow in the Lord and yeah. providing people a chance to worship in a lot of ways. And I I know a lot of our Ladies around here really look to her as a mentor, a, mm-hmm. a, a real mother in the faith, and and that she is to many. Um, was born in Oakland. <laughs> that I remember that being one of the biggest revelations. Like Oakland, right on. Like yeah. that, that. That I I like that Judy's from Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and we get to talk about her kids. And we got to get to talk. I know another one of those stories where you just see people on Sunday morning and you don't, you can't tell just from looking that, man, there's been some real heartache here. There's yeah. been some, the lows have been pretty low and God's been faithful through all of it. And so Lighthouse, I'm looking forward to you guys getting to hear from Judy. Pat, it's always good to sing with you and lead beside you. And let's just have a great fall of ministry around here. Sounds great. Sounds good to me. All right, Lighthouse, here's Judy. Pat, yep. spin the music. Yep. Hey, Lighthouse. Uh, welcome uh, to Lighthouse Stories once again. I am here with our very own Judy Ricketts. Judy, how are you this morning? I am well. You doing well? Yes. Judy, you're uh, involved is not the word for your uh, activities around here. You you teach every Wednesday night and lead that, that uh, women's group for us and you play piano faithfully. Uh, about 52 weeks out of every year on Sunday morning, you are dug in. You are a, a priceless uh, piece of the ministry around here. It's good to good to spend some time with you today. So this doesn't feel like a brand new thing, you being involved in church and leading Bible studies. This seems like something that you might have been doing for a, a little while, huh? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So let's go all the way back. So all we want to do today is... Have you tell us your story? And we, at some point in the conversation, we want to talk about hope and joy. What gives you hope and what gives you joy? So, okay. um, so where where in the world does your story start? Where were you born? Uh, Oakland, California. Oak the yes. Oak Town. Yeah. <laughs> Are you athletically like? Do you, do you have a cheering interest for all the Oakland teams at all? Not a spec. Well, no, I'll tell you I'm if you. If you were ever gonna, now's a good time. Ah, they're they're okay. all doing well. <laughs> yeah, now would be an excellent time to jump on the bandwagon. All right, so you're born in Oakland, and you grew up there. Yes. How yeah. was that? Fun growing up? It was, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed there till I was 22 and married Vern. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Were you living at home when you married Vern? Yes. Ah, mm-hmm. right. So lived in the same house all my life. Is that was a stable upbringing? Yes. Mom and yes. Dad took you to church. Uh, yes, they did. We were a religious family. Uh-huh. Um, 
long before I became a Christian, but um, they did. They took me to church as far as back as I can remember. Heard some Bible stories. Yeah. You, even if it hadn't settled in your heart quite yet, you yes. at least were yeah. building a... I always think of like those early childhood experiences, like you're building a bookcase and and putting books on the shelf, even if you haven't really <laughs> processed the meaning of them yet, you know? Yeah, it's like, just yeah. pour in the stories, mm-hmm. and at some day, the kid yeah. will have the opportunity to either live like it or reject it or whatever. But And the interesting thing was that my parents became Christians after I did. So, so. they were going to church and bringing you guys to church mm-hmm. early, even mm-hmm. though they weren't necessarily yeah. buying what was being sold. Yeah. Was it a... Like, was, were you guys it, in the was, insurance business and looking for contacts? <laughs> what was it? Um, no, I think that my mom had always gone to church, and she just thought that was the right thing to do. It was the cultural kind uh-huh, of piece to Yeah. Do. And um, I became a Christian when I was 15, and my life changed quite noticeably. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And well, I became a nicer person. <laughs> and um, I'm trying to time out. I'm trying to picture mean Judy. I'm not coming up uh, well, with anything. Yeah, self-centered Judy. There you go. Yeah. There you um, go. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I started going to another church. That well, I went to the first church, and it was it was good. They didn't yeah. deny any truths of sure. the word, but they kind of assumed that if you went to church, you were a Christian. Yep. So they told you how to be a good Christian. Yep. But they didn't tell you how to get saved. Yep. So I I still remember um, going to church, being all inspired, trying to do what they told me to do, and failing along about Monday night. Yeah, that's right. um, And being very discouraged about that. Huh. So do you recognize that? Like, do you look at that as the Holy Spirit's work in your life? Then that discouragement. Sure. Yeah. 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 So um, then I was going to this other church practically every night that I could. Okay. And my parents were okay with that. I remember my dad saying, well, Judy's gotten real religious lately. Uh-huh. Uh, which, this is middle of high school? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my dad was a, was a salesman. Mm-hmm. And he was a very positive, self-assured person. Mm-hmm. So I thought, uh, no way is my dad ever going to listen to me about mm-hmm. uh, being saved. But mm-hmm. one night I came home from church, Tuesday night, and he and Mom were sitting up in bed, and Dad called me in, and he said, um, Honey, how are you saved? Wow. <laughs> I just was 15 floored. year old you. Yeah, yeah. Not much knowledge. I didn't really know how to explain how yeah. to be saved, but I did have some little tracks on. Okay, yeah. Um and so I gave him that and he he said, "Well, I'll think about this." And I said, 15 years old, well, Dad, you might die tonight, so, so you should uh, probably <laughs> get quick. this settled now. Yeah. And my mother was saying, oh, honey, don't say that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he, he stayed up for a long time reading mm-hmm. those tracts, and I believe that he accepted the Lord then because uh, God used that uh, innate talent as a salesman to make him an evangelist. Is that right? Oh yeah, he not you know, 
professionally. Yeah. But he witnessed to everybody. Just really? Everybody that he came in contact with. So. Hmm. My grandma was like that. My grandma was a, uh, like, she worked, you know, like, was a lunch lady at, huh. at junior high cafeterias and then worked at Winchell's or whatever, uh -huh. you know, like, and not a, I never remember her, like, you know, digging into the minutia of, of doctrinal, you know, discrepancy or whatever with anybody. But man, there was never anybody she came in contact with that didn't hear yeah. about the Lord. Yeah. It just was on her tongue mm -hmm. is just what was what was happening. Yeah. Well, that so would you say that you and your folks kind of grew in the Lord together? Yes, in a way. My mother it was different for her because she was a very, very private person. She didn't huh. like to talk about her emotions or anything like that, but um, we were close. And so I would say, like, like about every month or so, Mom, do you think you're going to heaven? Mm. And then she would get all embarrassed and not want to talk about it. Huh. Uh, but I had a bunch of scripture books at home. And I learned later that she kind of stole one off of my desk <laughs> and read it. And so um, the next time I asked her, Mom, think you're going to heaven? I think so. Huh. And I was, really? Why? And she said, well, I, I read this book. It was called Light for Anxious Souls. Huh. And it was a series of questions. I think I'm too bad to be saved or... Mm. Um, all sorts mm -hmm. of things, and it answered them. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I read it. I wasn't sure if he wanted me, oh, so man. I read it again. Wow. And I, I felt like he did. You know, growing up in church with good Christian <clears throat> folks, like, I never doubted uh -huh. that Jesus loved me. Mm -hmm. I doubted that, I could even doubt that Jesus was real. Mm -hmm. but never, if he was real, I always knew Jesus yeah. loves me, this I know, you know, yeah. to, to have that, like, I don't, like, what a tragic thing to say, I did, I wasn't sure mm. he wanted me, Yeah, you know, praise yeah. the Lord that he was able to yeah. bust through that self-doubt or pride or whatever that is that, mm -hmm. that uh, caused her to wonder that. Yeah. So she came to the Lord yep. not too long after dad? Yep, yep, and... Um... How many of you were there at home? How many brothers and sisters? I have one brother. Okay. So it's a small family. Yep. And my brother's here now yep. in Monterey, and we're still talking about Jesus, and he uh, hasn't come to him yet as far as I know, but he's like my mother, a very, very private person. Um, and so a few weeks ago, Vern and I were up visiting him in the uh, assisted living facility, and I said, uh, uh, Nori, have you thought any more about accepting Jesus? And he said, no. So. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he has. And he lets us pray with him uh -huh. when we, uh, we visit and, you know, spend time, and then before we go, we pray, and he's okay with that. Now, you have, and we'll get to your ministry with navigators and all that, but you have, like, not only led many people to the Lord, but like started many conversations in the hopes of sharing the Lord with somebody. Would you, and I'm just, I'm, I'm taken by that question. Have you thought any more about, like, that's a pretty, that's a wonderful non-invasive yeah. Yeah. 
way to start a conversation mm-hmm. where if they say no, you can say, all right, yeah, who won the game yeah. yesterday? Like it, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Yeah, is that that, a, is that one of your favorite? Well, yeah. Another thing that I found is really helpful that makes for a kind of a stress-free sharing is to ask them, do you mind if I share something with you huh. that's really important to me? Huh. And, you know, they can say yes or no. How many, what percentage of yeses and nos do you get on a question like that? Most of the time they say yes. Yeah, most yeah. most people are willing to hear mm-hmm. about you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to say, because you're not saying, hey, would you mind if I try to change you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're saying, yeah. hey, can I tell you my story? I remember I said that to my brother, and, you know, I could see that he was looking a little alarmed. And mm-hmm. I said, well, it's religious, but it won't take long. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I try to start every sermon with that. <laughs> it's religious, but it won't take long. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that I had two parents that were going to be with me in heaven, and that was great. That so, is great. Mm-hmm. That's still great. Um, so, talk more about growing up in Oakland, in the in the in the big city suburbs. What was the feel of it? Well, <laughs> Oakland is the home of the. Hell's Angels and the Black Panthers. So it's... um, Nice little neighborhoods. It's kind of a rough neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you're you're in your early adulthood in the 60s? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. all of that's just going off. Yeah. Well, we kind of... Vern and I miss the the 60s because Uh we got married in 1960 okay so by that time we were old married folks and yeah didn't get caught up in the uh protests and all Mm -hmm. that but yeah oakland uh, even now i uh somebody said um i have a screen door on on my front living Mm -hmm. room and i lock it and uh somebody said why do you lock your screen door well I was born and raised in Oakland, and yeah. I always locked my screen door. <laughs> it's good yeah. to lock stuff in Oakland. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay, so a lot of playing outside, a lot of, were you an active, running around kind of childhood, or were you a reader? Uh, a reader. You were yeah. a reader. Kind of a reader. What were some of yeah. your favorites? Oh, gosh. Um, Albert Payson Terhune, uh, stories about his colleagues. Uh, I read everything. Um Children's books, Heidi. Ah, yeah. Um, what's the one? Um, ah, no, I can't remember. But like eight, Anne of Green Gables kind of stuff. Oh yes, yes, yeah. the whole series. Of yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think my so. sister read all those, and then we had to watch mm-hmm. all the movies. And... I often think what a privilege it is to have books. Yep. Because you read them once, and then you kind of absorb it. And you can go back and read them again, like visiting a, an old friend. Yeah. Even uh, go back and read your favorite part again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just read that chapter. I still, I was just looking at, um, uh, you know, the C.S. Lewis science fiction trilogy? The space trilogy? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was thinking about something that I'd read there, so I could open it and read it again. Well... You've just hit on one of my favorite topics in all of the world. <laughs> Not only C.S. Lewis, but the Space Trilogy. Um, what were you thinking? What part was it that you... Uh, the one in Paralandra, yeah. where, um, where Ransom met the devil in yeah. Weston's form. Yeah. 
it was kind of awesome the way he presented that. Yeah. And the um, the the lecture that Weston was giving Ransom yeah. about how you and I believe the same thing. We mm. just use different words. And, uh -huh. uh, we believe in this articulate force. It, it was just very interesting, and so I was glad to reread it. You know, C.S. Lewis has a way of, of, when he's writing fiction, to have it so different from the world you're living in. Mm. Mm. And yet, it, it, the difference is what opens it up yeah. To, yeah. to make you recognize mm -hmm. that he's talking about you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the scene at the, the, the two scenes in the first book in uh, Out of the Silent Planet that mm -hmm. I think about all the time are, first of all, where Ransom's talking with whatever the, the walrus people or whatever they are. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I can't remember their names. But, and <clears throat> he's hearing about their lifespan and... Yeah. And um, he's he's saying like, well, don't you, don't uh, maybe he's talking about times when they had families or whatever, and he's saying, well, don't you miss those times, or mm -hmm. you know, don't you wish you could go back mm -hmm. to those kind of times? Mm -hmm. And the this creature he's talking to says, no, why would you want to be in a stage that you're not in? And he says, yes. he says that remembering the. I'm and I'm messing this up, obviously, but remembering the event mm. is part of the joy of the event. Yes, that that's not yes. separate from from it, mm -hmm. but that to sit and think about, you know, I mean, we've all we've all lost people we cared mm -hmm. about, you know. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, my best friend died when when we were both thirty seven, and I mm -hmm. get really his birthday was just last week, mm -hmm. and it just makes me go, man, that wasn't that wasn't that wasn't enough time, you know. Oh. And but to to think, oh no, when I sit. And instead of being bitter that, mm -hmm. you know, he's not here, mm -hmm. I have every confidence that he and I will play catch again someday, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and um, or something better. And um, but to sit and instead of being bitter about that, to just experience the joy of remembering yeah. what it was like to be yeah. his tennis partner yes. and what it was like to grow up. And that's playing in, in those streets. That's forever. right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Th there's a wisdom to that. Like yes. instead of. Why would why we spend so much time thinking about the stage ahead or the stage behind mm -hmm. when really there's so much joy to be had in the mm -hmm. stage we're in and in remembering mm -hmm. deeply and contemplating. Yes. You know, life is so busy. Like I have a front porch that I never sit on. <laughs> and I just feel like life is so busy that that it's it's good to just mm. grab a guitar, sit on the front mm. porch, think about old times, you yeah. know? That's a yeah. skill that we've kind of lost. He brings that out a lot, I think, in his books. Um, mm. The desire to do something over again mm. when what you've had is is a complete experience. Huh. Uh, when he was on Paralandra, yeah. and uh, I hope the people listening to this can make sense of it. If they, if they, if they can't, read go the books, read it. Yeah. There, yeah. there are very few books that I would say you absolutely should read, and those are on the list. But anyway, the, they, the islands, the floating islands, yeah. had trees full of fruit. Yeah. And so you'd, you could pick them and enjoy them. And he came across one that was just the best thing he had ever tasted. Mm -hmm. And... When he got done, he was going to take another one, and then he thought, no, mm. no, this is what God mm -hmm. wanted me to have. Mm -hmm. So I think remembering God's goodness 
is a part of the experience. You don't need to repeat it. In fact, if you did, it wouldn't be the same. Yep. The law of diminishing returns kicks in immediately. Yeah. And to understand that God has a new experience for you today, that you can trust him with what tomorrow looks like. Yeah. Yeah, that's profound. And we are particularly unskilled at that. Mm -hmm. You know, when I read, you know, masters like Lewis and I go, oh, this feels like it was written for our society, Mm -hmm. but it was written for post-World War II England. Yeah. Yeah. And then you read Chesterton and go, this feels like it was written for our (laughs) society, but it was written for poor, for like World War One, mm-hmm. England, yeah. and you you start thinking, you know, you read whoever Dostoevsky or whatever, and you go, you know, I think people are always going to have kind of similar weaknesses yeah, because we are the same, really. Yeah, have been since Adam and Eve. Yeah, yeah. and whether it's the Daily Gazette or the Internet, we're going <laughs> to have things that pull <laughs> pull us away or. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the other scene in um, Out of the Silent Planet that I think about just all the time, and is it uh, is it Weston who so Ransom has his adventures and kind of learns uh, l- learns that God is good, mm-hmm. and he is sitting before we should we should push pause on the on the podcast and and have me look up all the character names so I can remember, but but, but we're not going to do that. Um, but he's sitting before the god of Mars. Uh, Oyarsa. Oyarsa, yeah. that's right. And um, and because Weston, who also finds his way into the throne room, because he has only been trying to steal, he has only been selfish, he has mm-hmm. only been thinking about himself the whole time, all he can see is wrath and judgment. Mm-hmm. And he he's he's... He's accusing Oyarsa of of like withholding good from him. And Ransom, all he can see is the goodness and grace mm-hmm. of Oyarsa. Mm-hmm. And that these two people are having completely different experiences in yeah. the presence of God. Yeah. And I think that is absolutely what it is. If you will just give up and submit to the goodness of God, mm-hmm. you will find him a loving, good father, all that you need. But if you're going to spend your whole life pointing fingers and accusing God of things, Mm -hmm. then you're, you're not going to experience Mm -hmm. goodness in the presence of God. You'll, I appreciated the, uh, the scene there, I guess you'd call it a trial scene where Oyarsa is asking, uh, Weston, uh, tell me why you're here. And so, uh, of course, Weston, because he, Look down on the creatures. Right. He didn't really know their language, he, he, yep. but Ransom did because right. he worked on it. And so Weston told his philosophy, and um, Oyarsa said, you speak and Ransom will translate for you. Mm. Okay. Mm. So Weston told his philosophy section by section, and it sounded very grandiose and mm. very noble. He was working for mankind and the future of mankind. But when he would stop and Ransom would translate it into simple language, it sounded silly, you know, uh, because it was. Because it was silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, mm. well, I think God used C.S. Lewis in countless lives. Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, C.S. Lewis is one of those characters that he's really tough to pigeonhole 
theologically, everybody mm. claims C.S. Lewis. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. <laughs> like every, every branch of theology claims uh-huh. C.S. Lewis thought like yeah. us when really he was a very unique thinker. Mm. And um, But I always loved, I remember I've probably, I tell this story so often, I've probably even told it on a different podcast, but I was reading to my oldest when she was little. I was reading the Chronicles of Narnia uh-huh. at the same time, just because I'm full of myself and think I'm smarter than I am. I was reading the Brothers Karamazov. Um, and just and, and I remember how just Dostoevsky walks you into a room and it takes 80 pages to mm. describe the room. He's going to describe the fiber of the carpet and the stain on the chair. And it's beautiful and uh-huh. it's wonderful reading. And I've totally suggested and there's it's profound and it's great. But C.S. Lewis will walk you into a room and say, and it smelled like Christmas. Uh, and you feel like you're there. Yeah. <laughs> like his just ability mm-hmm. to, to take complicated things mm-hmm. and, and put them in the hands of a child in yeah. a way that a child can understand yeah. and in a way yeah. even a dope like me can understand is really profound. Is uh, it, well, let's talk about teaching the Bible because that's something you're very good at. And... Um, do you find that, I find that that kind of is the challenge of teaching the Bible is it's not too hard to dazzle people with your intellect because you learn some big words, mm. but to make biblical truth available to people who are at the beginnings of searching and um, how do you do that? What's the, what's the secret behind that? And do you find that to be one of the biggest challenges of teaching well, the Bible? One of the things that you said you want to talk about was what is our passion. Yeah. And that's my passion is yeah. uh, learning from the Bible and yeah. you never stop that. Yeah. Uh, I think I was adding up and I've been a Christian 66 years now mm-hmm. and plenty to learn, you know. Yeah. Uh, but learning from the scriptures and teaching it and seeing God work in other people's lives through his word. Yep. That's my passion. That's that's my joy. Um, so do you, what's the hardest part? Is it understanding the scriptures? Is it figuring out how to communicate the scriptures well? Is, like what's the, what's the most work that gets done in hmm. leading a Bible study? Well, I think... Teaching it is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Yep. And I've, in my own way, kind of thought a a spiritual gift seems to be something that comes pretty easily to you Mm -hmm. and something that God uses in other people's lives and something that refreshes you. Like I I could lead a ladies' Bible study five nights a week and yeah. you know it wouldn't tire me out it mm-hmm. would invigorate me mm-hmm. so i think that's just all god doing it he gives the gift yeah and he makes it fun for you to use the gift yeah and then he uses it in other people yeah i think the like there are lots of different versions of bible teacher there's like the seminary professor who the best of them love their students and are available and Mm -hmm. are accessible. But there's that other kind of, you know, like Christian lab coat guy who's Mm going to spend his whole life and doesn't really have to have an affection for people, has a passion for the scriptures, a passion for God, is a loving enough guy, but he doesn't light up when a new believer 
walks over and asks him, you know, so what's the armor of God or whatever, right? Yeah. So, um, which would be a wonderful question. Nobody's ever asked. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to answer that question. Um, but, and then there's all the way down to, not down to, but over to on the other side of the spectrum of somebody who just really loves people. Yeah. And, but scholarship is not their, their passion. And I, I think you're right in that zone where you have a passion for scriptures and a real love for people that makes for a really wonderful discipler. Mm. Just walking through life with people. Mm -hmm. Was that something that all came natural? Has God developed that over time? Um, no, I think one of the many of the... <laughs> God has given me so many blessings, but one of the biggest was that he led Vern and I into the Navigators Yeah. Uh, early in our marriage. So up until that time, I had a lot of head knowledge mm -hmm. about... God. You were a reader. You enjoyed that. Yep. And yep. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed everything about the Bible, but it never uh, penetrated too much into my daily life. Okay. And so Avern and I were married in an August, and in December I gave him a copy of the Bible for the for a Christmas present. Was Vern a believer? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he had he had been saved. He was about two years behind me. So. Okay. Um, anyway, in the co cover of the Bible, I wrote out that passage from Ruth that said, "Do not ask me to leave you. Where you go, I will go. Uh, my people shall be your people." Yeah, your God. And I wrote God. that really because I thought it sounded very spiritual. Uh huh. And uh, so. Uh, the next summer, Vern got in touch with the Navigators, and their, their passion is teaching you how to get into the Word yep. and apply it to your life yep. and how to pass it on. Yep. And I didn't like them because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like anybody telling me what I needed to know or, yeah. you know, that, well, I've been a Christian for five years. I know everything. Yeah. Anyway, God brought to my mind what I had written in Vern's Bible. Huh. Your people shall yeah. be my people. And I said to God, well, I didn't really mean that. You know, yeah. I just I just thought it sounded pretty. And uh, God said, I took it as, huh. as a promise. Huh. And so, okay. So we got started with the NAVs. And it wasn't too long before I began learning a ton about how to take the word, really dissect it, put it into my own life, yep. and pass it on to other people. You know, the navigators, uh, how do you say that? It's so simple. Mm -hmm. There's nothing hard to understand. No. And yet, um, it is the, you know, oh, was it Eugene Peterson who's, book was a, a long obedience in the same direction like that's that navigator model like just mm -hmm. do the simple things well mm -hmm. for a long time yeah and it will profoundly change your life oh yeah yeah that's true and another thing they did was really stressed scripture memory yeah they didn't tell you that you ought to memorize scripture when you met with somebody you said what you had memorized okay you told your latest verse yep and I was very thankful that that came easily to me. Mm. Um, I memorize easily. 
that you, that makes you want it out of, out of a million, right? I, I'm sure you hear <laughs> all, all the time, yeah. man, this is just really hard for me. It's a grind. Yeah. To... Oh, yes. That's the first thing anybody says when yeah. you talk to them about scripture. Well, I can't memorize scripture. Yeah. Know? But, of course, anybody can. But um, and we, we got started with the NAVS in 1961. And that's a long time ago. <laughs> and... Um, I'm still reviewing those verses that yeah. I learned. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many I know, but I know that God has transformed me yeah. through his word. Uh, and a few nights ago at the ladies' group, uh, we were talking about, I think, thinking about things at night as you're going to sleep. Mm. And I said, well, let me put in another commercial for scripture memory. Yeah. Because that's the time that God can use it. Wow. Um, you know, so if you're you... saying Sports Center is not doesn't need to be the last thing <laughs> not I think about no. before I go to sleep. Well that's but, discouraging. No, if you know the scripture word for word, yeah. It's like you've got your Bible right there. That's right. And when you need it, it's there. Yeah. So uh and mo most people say, well, Either I can't memorize scripture or I kind of know the scripture. Yeah. And that's good. I mean, certainly better than nothing. But to, if you're worried about something to say, well, God says that he'll take care of me. Right, um, right. That's good, but it's not, it's not the best. Yeah. Um, and I, I was lying in bed thinking about something. And Isaiah 41.10 came to mind, do not fear, for I am with you. Yeah. Do not anxiously look about you. That's what it says in mm. my version. Mm. For I am your God. Mm. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I said, okay, Lord, that's all I needed to know. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I could go to sleep. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, we all want the Bible coming out of us. Mm -hmm. And if you want it coming out of you, you got to get it in you. Yep. That's just, that's yeah. just true. And it's a real weakness of mine. You know, I'm a, uh, how do I say that? I'm like a, not a new ideas guy. Like I'm not looking for, you know, brand new. I'm not looking to write the next, you know, the 67th book of the Bible or whatever. <laughs> but, um, but I love like reading an author I've never read before mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know, digging around in the weeds for, you know, deeper understanding on one topic mm -hmm. or another. And it's, it's a challenge for me to come back to the simple practice of memorization. Yeah. And it costs me sometimes too. Like I, I was preaching last Sunday, Sunday before, and just, you know, a scripture came to mind. I couldn't remember if it was first Peter or second Peter, right? Like <laughs> that would have been really helpful. <laughs> and also, you know, I think another part of, of, Bible memory that's so important is that like I'm a kind of a nervous guy like mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of I'm nervous before every sermon I'm nervous before every conversation like I just naturally am and the parts of the scriptures that I have memorized or I understand the deepest there's a confidence there yes. that that overcomes that natural mm -hmm. well I kind of know where it is yeah. and and that sort of thing yeah when when we the ladies and I were talking about scripture memory I said uh well, there's three rules of memorizing scripture. Okay. And, you know, they all whipped out their little notebooks and pens. <laughs> yeah. I said, number one, review. Yep. 
Number two, review. Uh-huh. Number three, <laughs> review. Yeah. That, that's the Just only rule there is for maintaining yeah. what you've memorized. Yeah. Uh, so, some lady said to me one time, yeah, you memorize a verse, and then six months later, you don't remember it. I said, try try six days later if, yeah. you, if you don't review it. Well, um, and anybody who's ever like gotten an A in trigonometry in high school and has no idea how to find the area of the triangle <laughs> now, like you know, you know that unless you're using this yeah. stuff, it's yeah. it's not going to be in that easily recallable place in yeah. your brain. So, Bible memory has been a big part of of teaching. Yes, the Bible for you. Yeah, that it, it's that's been important. So you were uh, so keep telling a story about those early days of the navigators. Like the navigators have their wheel. Mm-hmm. which is just super meaningful. Yep. What are the spokes on the wheel? <clears throat> God's word, prayer. Yep. God's word comes to us. Prayer goes up to him. Yep. Fellowship. Yep. And witnessing. And you know, <clears throat> I, again, it's easy if you've been in church a while to just roll your eyes and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's where the... That's where life is led. Yes. That's where the yeah. good stuff is in that simple obedience to mm-hmm. the scriptures, to yeah. to prayer. And, you know, I even always, uh, like the spiritual disciplines are so important to me. Mm-hmm. And there are some of those, I don't know what you would call them, next level kind of spiritual disciplines, solitude. Okay. I've read the book. But sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but you think about the discipline of solitude, which I could not live of without. What? Solitude. Uh, ah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I could not live without that. But yeah. you don't really start by like hours of solitude. No. You start by learning to pray. Mm. And then as you develop those prayer, witness, fellowship, then you hunger yes. for more depth. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so, the, I mean, what what wonderful! You could spend your whole life just doing those four things and yeah. live a very meaningful. The other illustration life. that uh, the navs have that is very helpful is the hand. Yeah. Uh, that's how to get well a grip on the word. Okay. And I've given talks on that. In fact, uh-huh. I asked when we first came here uh, for a ladies' luncheon or something. I asked Linda Sheffield to be my my illustrator. Okay. And so uh, I said, now, Linda, uh, I want you to hold the Bible, but only use your little finger. All right. And, of course, that's Pretty tough. almost impossible. Yeah. <laughs> but that little finger is hearing the word. Mm-hmm. That's if you come to church mm-hmm. and hear the word preached. That's, that's mm-hmm. part of it. Yep. Uh, the second finger, your ring finger is, I hope I remember this, um, it's reading the Word. Yep. And a lot of people I know, um, Vern and I are reading through the Bible in a year this year, so it's real fun. But reading the Word is good, but if you look at your hand, you've only got those two fingers. Yep. Mm -hmm. The third finger is studying it. Yeah. You don't just read it. And somebody said the difference between reading and studying is a pencil. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you think about it. Yeah. You um, write stuff down. The fourth one is, um, and this is the one that people, <laughs> Yeah. it's meditating on it. No, okay. no, the fourth one is memorizing Memorize it. Memorize it, yeah. Yeah. 
the fifth one, the thumb, is meditating on it. What does this mean to me? What does it mean? What is it saying? Mm -hmm. What is God saying to me? And so you can use that thumb on any finger, mm. on what you've heard, ah, good, yeah. what you've read, what you've studied. Hmm. What you've so, memorized. What you memorized. Yeah. So that was a really helpful thing. You that, know, when, when Paul says that very simple phrase, like we need our, to be, have our minds transformed, mm. it really is that we can't just add Jesus to our old way of thinking. Mm. Like we have to think differently. Mm -hmm. The process of how we think has to be different. Yeah. And, you know, when I'm sure, you know, is it Brother Lawrence? Uh, what's the practicing, the, practicing presence. the presence of Christ? Yeah, this, of God. Mm -hmm. Of God. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. But just that like to to I feel like that has been one of the disciplines in my adult life that has been the most helpful is just learning to train my brain from whatever I'm either worried about, mm -hmm. stressed out about or just tempted by even, mm -hmm. and bringing it back to yeah. thinking about God, how mm -hmm. simple that is, meditating on, on the scriptures. And I'll tell you even, I, I wonder if this is your experience too, the best work in preparing to teach frequently happens in a park, on a bike, like, you know, driving, like somewhere that's not sitting at my desk, uh -huh. but is, I'm thinking about it mm -hmm. all day long. <laughs> and it's that God teaches you as you're going. Yeah. That yeah. that is the that's the way it happens. Yeah. So, so you've started uh leading discipleship groups in the early sixties mm -hmm. and pretty much have been since. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And so take me like where's all that been? Did that start in Oakland? Well, um the first sort of ministry we had through the navigators was at uh Treasure Island Naval Air Station. Yeah. And that was just Vern. He would go over with the guys. Okay. And um, then we moved up to Fairfield. Yeah. Uh, to work at Travis Air Force Base. Okay. And by that time, we were uh, on staff. We were supported by, mm -hmm. uh, by people's gifts. Mm -hmm. And Vern taught at the junior high school, but he had a really tremendous ministry uh, in the barracks. In those days, you could go into the barracks with Bibles and talk to people. Hmm. You can't do that anymore. Hmm. But um, he would go and he had mm, a team of maybe maybe eight airmen that okay. went with him. And they would just go and in the barracks. Would you like to talk about the Bible? Would you like to talk about religion? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it was really a tremendous ministry. My part of the ministry was running the home, uh -huh. um, feeding the guys and the gals. Uh -huh. And then as we accumulated women, uh, air women, I had Bible studies with them. Yeah. But I wanted to say one thing that the Lord provided for us in the Navigators was a support group huh. that we needed very badly when we started having children. Mm. Um, our first daughter, uh, she was born severely retarded. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, your first child, it was mm. very difficult. Yeah. I, and one thing that God had brought me out of was the habit of worry. I worried all the time yeah. about everything. And 
if I didn't have anything to worry about, I would make up something to worry about. Yeah. Just amazing. But so with with Jody, our daughter, uh, she just wasn't developing hmm. as babies expected. Are and I thought, uh, God, you know who you're dealing with here. You know that this is a woman that worries, you know, cripplingly. Yeah. But he taught me through her and through our next boy, who was also retarded, mm -hmm. um, you don't learn to swim unless you're in the water. Mm. And he, he taught me to give each day to him and not let your mind go down the what-if trail. Yeah. Because that is soul-destroying, you yeah. know. Uh, what if this? What if that? Nothing has happened yet. You're here today. Huh. And what do you need today? Hmm. You need God's grace for this and that. So with Jody, she was severely retarded, and we put her in a state hospital uh, when she was about... 18 months old because mm -hmm. I couldn't give her the care that she needed. Mm -hmm. And God, uh, California is a wonderful place if you must have mm -hmm. retarded children mm -hmm. because they are well-financed, well-cared for. Mm -hmm. So she lived until she was 22. Wow. Yeah. But she was loved and cared for. Mm -hmm. um, and that was great. So after Jody, we had a boy named Danny um, who was fine physically, mm -hmm. but not developing properly. Mm. Uh, he, he's really hard to pinpoint. He's 53 now, but uh, he's probably maybe four mentally. Yeah. Um, and he has a whole constellation of problems, some mm. autism some hyperactivity. Uh, he's just very, very, very hard to take care of. Yeah. And so we had him, and uh, and this was while we were at Travis with a full-time ministry going on. Trying to entertain the troops yep. and lead Bible studies. Um, but Danny couldn't be left to himself for a split second because mm. you never knew what he would do. Yeah. Um, I remember I tied a rope around the refrigerator mm -hmm. uh, because he would go and open the refrigerator and take out all the eggs or do whatever he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Or he could walk out the front door naked or he would do anything and he could hurt himself. Yeah. So it was really stressful. Yeah. Um, and by the time he was four... I would have thoughts of, of um, suicide. I, I can't live this way anymore. Mm. And then I would thought, no, I can't do that because that would leave Vern and that wouldn't be fair. Mm. Besides, my life is not mine to dispose of. Yeah. Um, but we did get him in a first foster care and then in a state hospital. Yeah. Right now he's up in Watsonville in a really wonderful care facility. Mm. It's called a level four facility, which means there is one attendant for every four patients. Mm -hmm. So very close supervision. And one of the many things I appreciate about them is that they, 
they understand Danny, why he does as best they can, sure. why he does what he does, and they like him. Yeah. <laughs> so um, God has been very faithful in mm -hmm. providing care for our children. But yeah. when all this was happening, we were young, married kids. It's really hard to raise a couple of kids oh. that don't have yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the NAVs were very supportive. Mm. I know I must have had tons of prayer support. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just have to, I mean, thank you so much for telling us that story. You just outlined most of most parents kind of worst nightmare, right? Yeah. That yeah. when you bring a baby home, you're thinking about vacations to Disneyland and <laughs> high school graduations and weddings and yeah. grandkids and whatever mm -hmm. in the future. And that hasn't, that hasn't been the story. Yeah. And, and yet here you are giving praise to the Lord through the whole thing. That's yeah. a, like to stand in the presence of that kind of faith is a real, real honor. Yeah. Then we had uh, we had Paul, yeah. um, and when he was born, he looked very much like Jody, mm. um, just physically. Yeah, he was Ricketts. Okay, um, <laughs> but uh, it God in His kindness made him develop really fast. Okay, so He's saying He's okay, Judy. Yeah, He's okay. Yeah, and He's been been a special boy. Yeah. And, given us three grandchildren now yeah. so that you adore oh absolutely they're perfect they're perfect <laughs> we finally found the perfect people your grandchildren yeah i'm so glad so but anyway i appreciated so much the nav's help and mm. uh because we were well we went to from fresno we went to no from fairfield we went to fresno and worked with college kids for four years yeah, i bet you're great at that uh, it was fun yeah. and then we came out here worked at Defense Language Institute when Fort Ord was still there, and um, DLI, and uh, had a great ministry there. And along about 81, we decided that uh, it was time to maybe not be in full-time ministry, mm -hmm. but we never stopped, you know, being involved in Bible studies and things. Yeah. And then that's when Vern bought a candy store uh -huh. over on Cannery Row, and yeah. uh, we've been involved in the candy business ever since. Yeah, um, and still. Yeah, he still makes candy. Still making candy. He's 83 now, and uh, <laughs> still makes really good candy. And still sharing the Lord with every uh, customer yeah. that come, <laughs> comes yeah. in the door. You're yeah. getting more than candy if you're buying <laughs> a turtle from Vern. Yeah. Well, so how long have you been on the peninsula then? We came here in 75. Okay. So yeah. a good long time. A good long time. Yeah. yeah. And have, I've wondered, have you seen, I, I know that Fort Ord being decommissioned or stopping being an active base or however you say that was, uh, it has been a huge cultural thing, but have you, as you, as you, as you have seen the church over that time, have you noticed big changes or has it been about? Hmm. You mean the church as a whole? As a whole, yeah. Oh, wow, that's a... Like, I feel like this is a difficult place to do ministry. There's a lot of wealth, a lot of... Hmm. Pretty under church, like statistically, we could triple in number of churches and for the amount of people that are here, uh -huh. but not a lot of super big healthy churches, you know? Like, it's it's a pretty... It's not the Bible Belt. Uh 
Uh, and, no, no. Uh, and it is about the same culture that when you're doing ministry in the early 80s, or has it gotten harder, easier? People still people? I guess because my life kind of revolves around my home, my friends, yeah, my church. Yeah. I'm not very qualified to okay. <laughs> fair enough to give that fair enough um so let's talk about some of those other wheels on the navigator thing I would love for you to just disciple us all a little bit so memorization doesn't matter how fast you go just go no no um prayer what are some if if you're teaching somebody to pray and they're getting in those first steps mm -hmm. of prayer how do you what are those first steps um, I have a prayer partner that God brought about five years ago in my mobile home park. Uh -huh. uh, I have a little sign in my window that says piano lessons given. Uh -huh. And so she was walking around and uh, came over and asked if I would be interested in playing for a Renaissance instrument group that she was involved in. Okay. And the music was way beyond me. Mm -hmm. But uh, as we talked, we discovered that we were Christians. Mm. She goes to Calvary. She lives three doors down from me. So a few days or weeks later, she asked if I would like to be her prayer partner. And I said, yeah. Mm. And so uh, we still marvel that God set that up so convenient. Uh, so we get together once a week hmm. and uh, pray together. Cool. And she's taught me a lot about prayer. She's she's very natural when yeah. she prays. She she talks when she yeah. prays. And um, I remember her saying one one time, "Well, God, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to ask you for this." <laughs> and I thought I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah. You know, just I think God loves to hear what we really mean in our own words. Right. Um, We're not going to speak in such beautiful language that no. we get God's attention yeah. or we, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's important. Just yeah. say what you mean and mm. um, it doesn't have to be fancy. Yep. But, but mean what you say. Yeah. And I've lately, in the last year or so, I've taken time to to pray mm. uh time to express what i really mean mm -hmm. um you know if if i only pray about two things in 10 minutes that's okay yeah i i want to really express what i mean to god he knows but but i don't yeah and i i do think of it in terms of relationship all the time like if the best and most consistent image we have of God in the scriptures is as a father. Mm. And you think, how does a father want to hear from his kids? Mm. I, I, I know what you need. I know who you are. I know mm. you better than you know yourself. Just tell me what's on your heart. Yeah. Just tell me the truth and yeah. be honest with me. And, mm. and if you're sad, don't tell me you're happy. And if you're happy, don't tell me you're sad. And yes. like, tell me how you actually feel. I think that's profound advice to... Um, because that really is honoring that because of the the cross, we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. We can yeah. really say, we don't have to have a, this isn't an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. This isn't, isn't a spiel that we've, you know, an argument that we're pretty sure we can convince God of something. Yeah. It's just a kid crawling up on dad's lap and 
having a conversation. Abba. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's profound. Yeah. 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 Well, if uh, what are what are some of your favorite passages of the scripture to teach? It's a big question. Can I put you on the spot like that? Mm. Well, you know, I think the the book I have gotten the most out of personally is the Gospel of John. Yep. And I I put together a study about five years ago now um, for one of my granddaughters who was going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told her, you know, honey, when you call me with, she's 25 now, but when you call me with difficulties, you know I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah. You know, you you need God. I believe she's a Christian, but she's not really very close to him. And so as we talked, I said, why don't you plan on reading a little bit of the Bible every day and talk to God about it. And uh, so she said, well, what should I read? And I said, Gospel of John is good to start with. And somehow, I don't know how we talked about it, but I ended up sending her a little Bible study, Mm -hmm. uh, emailing her. uh, What does it say? What does it mean? What does it mean to me? And um, so... She was doing that, and then uh, she's a twin, uh-huh. Jackie and Jesse, and so I thought, well, I'll offer it to Jesse too, and that was before Jesse was married, so uh, I sent that to her, and I thought, well, I'll send it to my son Paul, and it turned into the Ricketts family Bible study, yeah. <laughs> where I would do the lesson, email it out, and hope that they got into it yeah but I got into it I was I think it's a wonderful way to study the Bible is to plan on teaching it to somebody else that's right um so we did that and then I have a Tuesday Bible study that comes comes to my home and we did the study and then the ladies on Wednesday night did the study so what's the big idea in John What's what's the profound? Oh, I know there's yeah. I know there's <laughs> Jesus is is the big idea from the beginning of the end of that book, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what was it that especially draws you to that? I guess I just felt like I looked at him deeper yeah. than I ever had, mm. because we really tore that book apart. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I felt like when. Um, when he was arrested, I felt like I was right there yeah. in the garden, yeah. um, feeling the disciples' horror at at seeing Judas there, yeah. the man that they had trusted yeah. for three years. But anyway, yeah. I. It's a very personal, yeah, reflection. Yeah, <clears throat> the my I, I if you ask me, you know a verse that I think about a lot. It's definitely from John six as, as, uh, Jesus has this very difficult to figure out discussion with the scribes and Pharisees about, well, give us a sign, give us bread, you know, right after he's just fed thousands (laughs) of people. Oh, give us bread. And, uh, the conversation kind of gets more and more spiritual as it goes down at the top of the page. We're talking about bread at the bottom of the page. We're talking about the bread of life and, and, and Jesus kind of almost 
in his conversation with the folks around getting more and more difficult to understand. Yeah. Like at the beginning, he's speaking very plainly, but mm-hmm. because of their hardness of their hearts, he's getting harder and harder to understand as it goes to finally where he says, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. Yeah. Which yeah. is the weirdest <laughs> thing, <laughs> you know, a person could really say in that situation. And, um, and then, so everybody leaves. Yeah. And that, like Jesus being abandoned by the masses because they weren't getting what they wanted and because he wouldn't, Expl- be- because their hearts were just so hard that they mm. wouldn't open up to what he was actually saying. And I see that in myself. I see it in people all around me. Mm. Um, and uh, and then turning to the disciples and going, are you going to leave too? Mm. And Peter saying, where else would we go? Mm. And in my, you know, we've come to know and believe that you are the son of God. And I feel like I'm so glad that that's in the scriptures because there's been times in my life where that's where I was, mm-hmm. where it wasn't, I have all the confidence in the world, mm. but it was much more, where else would I go? Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm very confident that Jesus is God and that the tomb is empty. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's all you have Yes. in the middle of family tragedy, in the middle of... In the middle of my own mistakes, yeah. in the middle of like, oh, just the natural consequences of me being a knucklehead. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes all you have is, yeah. where else would I go? I'm just going to cling to Jesus. And that's, yeah. that's so profound to me. And that really typifies kind of John's arguments. John mm. has those, these profound, simple, you know, light of the world kind of language. And then he puts you in these yeah. situations that are difficult and complex and... It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful reflection. Yeah. When I had Danny at home up at Travis, uh, one of the hardest things was he never slept through the night, ever. Yeah, yeah. And that meant I had to get up and take care of him because everybody else was asleep. And so between uh, Jody, she didn't sleep through the night either. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was a period of seven years that I never slept through the night, not yeah, once. Man. And my, if you had asked me, what what one thing do you really want? What is your goal? I would like to go to a motel and sleep yeah. for 24 hours. Yeah. But uh, anyway, when Danny would wake up, uh, in order to keep him in bed, I would have to sit on the bed with him mm-hmm. and wait for him to go back to sleep. And so he would be babbling away there and carrying on. And one night, I just said, God, do you even know what's going on here? Oh, gosh, yeah. Are, are you, I don't think I said, do you care? But are you aware of yeah. what, what's happening here? Yeah. Are you busy someplace else? Yeah. And you don't know? But um, the next morning, I would have like a five-minute quiet time in between watching yeah. Danny and all the stuff. And my reading... Uh, was with Hagar in the wilderness. (laughs) And she said, after her little experience with God, that she named the well, the well of the living one who Mm. sees me. Mm. And, you know, that's not coincidence. Yeah. We don't have coincidences with God. And so it was God saying, yes, Judy, I see you. Mm. I know. Mm. And... He, he supported me through that four years mm-hmm. of Danny. Mm-hmm. 
And then when we did find a, a kind of a foster home for him, it was the first time I could sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so we were going up to um, Hume Lake, a Christian conference ground, for a navigator training program, and I would take, uh, I would go with them. And uh, our son Paul was, I think, two at that time. And so the navigator, kind of like my spiritual mom, came over and said, Judy, I don't want you to have any part in this training program. I want you to rest. Hmm. I don't want you to lead Bible study. I don't hmm. want you to do anything. Hmm. Just rest. Mm -hmm. And so Paul and I slept round the clock hmm. every night for six weeks. <laughs> and uh, when we got back, Everybody said, wow, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing what a little sleep will do. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But God always knows. He always sees. He hmm. knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think sometimes we get in a spot where that's hard to believe. Yeah. 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 Well, you have a, you have a depth that is rare and hmm. that I really appreciate and that sure is a, a benefit to the to the body here at Lighthouse and, mm. and I'm sure to your neighborhood. And, you know, there's lots of things that lots of stories we haven't told that, that, um, you have been a, a real demonstrator of, of faith, uh, to me and, and to the folks here. And I really appreciate you. Mm. And, and I'm grateful for you telling some stories today. These are hard stories to tell, but we're blessed mm. to hear them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my friend, here's to many more, Sundays doing music together. We didn't even talk about music. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk. My two favorite topics are what music were you into when when you were in your twenties, and then what <laughs> what car? What was your first car? We didn't even talk about those. We'll have my, to my first car. First car. Yeah, we're gonna have, we'll we'll have to do those next time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just you know, I love you, and it's a pleasure to sit with you uh, for an hour. Yeah. So thank you very much. This has been a blessing. Right thank on. You. Right on. Well, Lighthouse, you guys have a good day. Again, our theme music is written and performed by our very own Patrick Hawks. Wait till you hear it. It's a good tune. And, uh, and Patrick's producing and editing and turning knobs and pulling levers. <laughs> Judy Ricketts has been our guest. We love you, Judy. Everybody have yourself a great day. Mm -hmm.